My partner Aaron and I recently performed a sort of transmutation on each other. We changed what we are. It seems hyperbolic to put it in those terms because in so many ways we're exactly how we've been, but in so many other ways, important ways, we're different. We got engaged. We changed each other from being each other's boyfriend and girlfriend to being each other's fiancés. There are a handful of situations in life where a person works on developing something about them or their life and has stages in that development punctuated by milestones that we indicate through certain traditions and ceremonies. In school, we would punctuate development by moving on to another grade. Some of us even had small graduation ceremonies at important transition points, like when we moved from elementary to intermediate school or intermediate school to high school, preparing us for the first big milestone of graduating high school. Here, we transmute ourselves from grade school students to high school graduates, finally situating ourselves among adults who are certified as having some vague awareness about how the world works and how to operate within it. Then we get to spend the rest of our lives observing the adults around us and questioning whether or not that certification had any legitimacy at all. Many of us do something similar with love and relationships. We develop a relationship with someone, we punctuate that relationship with different milestones depending on our culture and tradition, until we hit the first big ceremonial one, engagement. Even though the decision to get engaged was very much shared between Aaron and I, it is up to me, per how we practice this tradition, to seal the deal with the proper ceremony, a formal proposal. So how do I go about mine, and what do I learn about myself and my life in that process? Aaron and I decided to watch Sex in the City a few months back. It's among her favorite shows, and I had never watched it. I'm glad that we did, because it's a really good show. It's well written, it's funny, and it functions as a fascinating anthropology of the turn of the millennium. The show revolves around a quartet of friends, each of which are supposed to stand in as avatars of different types of people in our lives, a familiar motif in television. You have Samantha, the confident, self-assured woman who embraces carnal desire free of judgment or self-consciousness. Then there's Charlotte, who is almost Samantha's opposite, the perfectionist. She has a specifically prescribed way her life will go, and she's dedicated to filling that prescription, even if at the expense of her own happiness, mostly because she can't conceive of a world where her prescription is not filled and she is happy. Then there's Miranda, the career-oriented cynic. She's practical and independent, more than willing to put her ambitions before her happiness because life has shown her that only one of those things are truly reliable. All three women personify a choice. Samantha chooses spontaneity and novelty over commitment. Charlotte chooses control and orthodoxy over excitement and whimsy. Miranda chooses safety, familiarity, and independence over vulnerability. At different points in everyone's lives, we all make these choices as well. Then there's Carrie, the protagonist and narrator of the stories surrounding these women. Carrie is seemingly more complicated and dynamic than her friends, and for good reason. Whereas the viewer is supposed to see parts of Samantha, Charlotte, and Miranda in herself, she's supposed to see herself in Carrie. Carrie is funny, gregarious, attractive, sexy, and weird. Who, if they could, wouldn't want to be Carrie? The only problem is that throughout almost the entirety of the show, Carrie is an erotic, unhappy mess. One thing constantly nagged at me throughout the show. For a show with a reputation for being so important to women, it's exceedingly anti-feminist. Carrie's clothes are often adolescent, Carrie is woefully inadequate at managing her finances, and she's obstinately dependent. At one point in the show, she's facing homelessness after a breakup. She must face the consequences of spending all of her money on clothes and shoes instead of saving it, and her solution is to repeatedly break down in tears in front of the people who care about her, eliciting multiple offers to give her the money and solve the problem for her. A running joke throughout the series is that she's incapable of even cooking for herself. Then there's her relationship with men. The conceit, or so I originally thought, of the entire series is that Carrie needs a man to make her happy. 
she's constantly looking for a relationship with a man to validate her existence. She, as a matter of habit, hides how she truly feels about things for the sake of keeping relationships going, and she goes out of her way to make excuses for the unacceptable behavior of men often at her own expense. I'm watching the show with Aaron, thinking these things and becoming increasingly baffled by the fact that Carrie is Aaron's favorite character. I could rationalize it, sure, but it still confused me if I'm being honest. Aaron is so different than Carrie in so many fundamental ways. She's independent, she's frugal, she's goal-oriented, she's self-sufficient. Frankly, my experience led me to believe that Aaron wouldn't particularly like someone like Carrie in real life if she were to meet her. However, after we finished the show and I had some distance from it, I started to view Carrie in a different light. My judgment of her began to change. Maybe Carrie's identifying characteristic isn't that she's an abstract idea that any single woman that can't find the right guy can fit themselves into. Maybe I was misrepresenting Carrie's originality. Maybe that's what Carrie's story really is. It's that of a truly original woman who ought not have to change herself to be in a happy relationship and is reminded of that at every futile attempt at doing so. Her originality is precisely what attracts men to her, and as we watch time and time again throughout the show, that originality is also what triggers their own insecurities. Or, as is the case with Big, when paired with a man who is similarly original in nature, the negotiation and contention for space and control over their own individual lives causes the relationship to break down. Suddenly, Aaron's affinity to Carrie made sense to me. Aaron is an original herself. I've never met anyone like her. She's a force of nature, a whirlwind of productivity and creativity, humor and wit, kindness and encouragement, determination, perseverance, joy, grace, brilliance, and beauty. My favorite photo of her is from when she was a child. The camera has caught her slightly by surprise. She's wearing a baggy blue long sleeve sweatshirt and it's drenched. Her face is flushed. She was just bobbing for apples. Her face has an expression that reads, did I win? There's an apple in her hand. Her grip indicates that she's prepared to hold it over her head in triumph. When Carrie meets Big, she gets a taste of what it's like when two originals fall in love. The chemistry is undeniable. In this partnership, the original, maybe for the first time, experiences what it's like to be better with another person than you are alone, to be capable of more, to be happy. She chases that dragon for the rest of the show, and I totally get it. That's what I feel like with Aaron. The person I've become since meeting her doesn't exist without her. Falling in love with her originality has helped me fall in love with my own, which is something that I wish for everyone. Luckily, it's not as complicated for me as it was for Big, or for Carrie for that matter. It's been very simple. I found an original, we fell in love, I got a ring, and I asked her if we could spend the rest of our lives together. Anything more complicated than that, and you'd better be writing for a TV show. Otherwise, you're just doing it wrong.